Welcome to STEM Falls Podcast, Understanding Teen Minds, where we explore the world of teenage mental health, looking at everything from signs and symptoms to early intervention. STEM 4 is a charity that promotes positive mental health in teenagers and those who support them. This includes their families and carers, education professionals, as well as school nurses and GPs. STEM 4's mission is to foster the development of good mental health in teenagers by enhancing early understanding and awareness and providing mental health education and resilience strategies. Join us as we open up the conversation on young people's mental health. Hello and welcome to STEM 4 Mental Health Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Dr. Nahara Krause and I am the CEO and founder of STEM4, a teenage mental health charity based in London. I'm also a consultant clinical psychologist with many years of experience in a variety of mental health settings. I have a passion for improving the mental health of our young people. Now, I know I don't need to state the obvious, but primary care health providers were struggling to support the mental health of children and young people presenting with a range of mental ill health conditions pre-pandemic due to historic underfunding of services and increased need. However, the COVID-19 health emergency has further created widespread health, psychological, economical and social impact. The long-lasting ramifications for children and young people as well as their parents and carers, pose considerable mental health risks. And resources, as a result, are even further stretched, with many GPs finding it hard to support their young patients. And as per results of a survey, having to act beyond their level of competency. This was a 2021 survey by the national charity Young Minds. So, are you acting beyond your level of competency? Perhaps not, but what we're hoping through this series is to provide you with some extra ideas and extra tools. So, session one of this series presents some background to children and young people's mental health, including the findings of a recent STEM4 survey of national GPs, and that will be the fourth of um, national surveys that STEM4 have carried out over the last six years. And I will summarise this with some possible tips on what might be done. So we're going to start off with a snapshot of mental health services as they might be for children and young people. So NHS Digital Statistics in July 2021 confirmed that one in six children and young people aged between 5 and 15 were presenting with a probable mental health difficulty. Now, this is a huge increase from one in nine in the same age group, as reported by NHS Digital in 2017. A Young Mind survey in 2021 further stated that 83% children and young people with mental health needs agreed that the coronavirus pandemic had made their mental health worse. 
Unsurprisingly, the National Children's Bureau and University College London Research in 2020 stated that the number of accident and emergency attendances by young people under 18 had more than tripled between 2010 and 2018. And my understanding is that this number has further increased in 2021. We're still awaiting ANE attendance figures. As pre-pandemic, the conditions most common are emotional disorders, anxiety and depression. NHS Digital in 2018-2019 also stated that 24% of 17-year-olds reported as having self-harmed in the previous year. In 2021, the NHS forecast that 230,000 extra cases of post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of the pandemic would be presenting in England alone. Very concerningly, the Royal College of Psychiatrists reported that the number of under-19s waiting for urgent eating disorder treatment had more than tripled during the pandemic whilst the number waiting for routine treatment had more than quadrupled. And of course, as GPs, you would be the first line of call in terms of assessing and managing an eating disorder. So the STEM4 survey, the National Survey of GPs, was carried out in early February 2022. And it had a number of findings. So the first was that GPs were reporting that services for young people had deteriorated over the past six years. 63% of GPs feared that their young patients may come to harm through lack of access to treatment. Some quotes from some of the GPs across the country are as follows. It's just getting worse and worse. Children and adult mental health services or CAMS is unsafe. Literally, there are no camp services available. Within our trust, there is a two-year waiting list. Another comment, non-existent service unless florid psychosis or suicidal acts are present. It's an utter disgrace, under-resourced, inadequate and dangerous. Now, these are certainly gloomy, disheartening comments Half GPs told the survey that at least six in ten of their referrals for young patients who were experiencing anxiety disorders, severe depression, a conduct disorder, or who were self-harming were routinely rejected by CAMS as their symptoms were not deemed severe enough, even though GPs were only referring the most at risk. Nurses who write into STEM4 tell us that there's an increase of young people with mental health problems on wards, with nurses not necessarily being trained to deal with these because these are general paediatric wards. A quarter of GPs believe that at least 6 in 10 referrals for patients with eating disorders and addictions are rejected. And 1 in 10 say that at least half of All referrals for patients with psychosis are denied access to treatment. 5% of the GPs in the survey also told STEM4 that they had stopped referring young patients altogether 
with a handful saying that they were instead instructing patients to go to A&E, even though they realized that this wasn't appropriate, but recognized that it was one way of having a risk assessment. And this is, of course, what is reflected in national statistics. So, given the state of what mental health might be like for children and young people, are there any solutions? So the government has allocated a certain amount of funding, and that funding includes funding more community services, enhancing intervention in schools through having community hubs, this is being trialled out. It's a bit of a postcode lottery, depending on where you might be. And also to increase funding for eating disorder services, for psychosis, for addiction. But in the meanwhile, whilst this may take a while to build up, what can you as GPs do? Young people tell us that they don't immediately come to a GP, but if they do have a mental ill health issue, that they would far prefer to come to a GP rather than raise an issue at school. They're worried about the repercussions, they're worried about confidentiality. So one of the things that might be helpful is for GPs to have some further training. Over half of the GPs in our survey told us that they were undertaking continued professional development in mental health to try and help their young patients. It would be helpful to embed the principles of youth-friendly practice in GP surgeries across the country to improve accessibility for children and young people. Some of these ideas might be to appoint a champion for young people's mental health, to allow for accessible and flexible appointments, to have youth-friendly information available on the service, and also to support parent and carer mental health. STEM4 offer a range of services on this format, including a number of webinars for parents and carers, and these are hugely appreciated and attended. It might also be useful to create a hub of information for all GPs in the area on available mental health resources and services. And this is certainly being trialled out in some parts of the country. It would be useful to think about collaboration, particularly in terms of community resources, family support, and to start to think about presenting these case models as practice, good practice. NHS England recommendations in 2018 were to encourage the placement of mental health professionals in primary care settings to facilitate access to care whilst reducing GP caseloads. And this again might be something that you may wish to explore uh, through the um, ICNs and the CCGs as you might do within your own practice. Having some sort of record of how many young people present with mental health questions may be another way forward, and it's something that STEM4 are hoping to campaign for. Supporting transitions is also really helpful. So the most common transition that GPs primary care struggle with are transitions from uh, young people's services to adult services. Starting to think a bit about how that might be supported might be good having some sort of hub of information but also supporting transition from 
home to university and how that care might be facilitated in the smoothest way. So these are all as an introduction. In the next step of the series, I'll also be talking about working with eating disorders in primary care. But before I wind up, we've got a couple of questions that have come in. So the first question is, we understand that some GPs are not referring young people to traditional mental health services, but are more likely to refer to A&E. We certainly do this at our practice. Is that such a bad thing? One of the things that we do know with children and young people is that they are an incredibly difficult group to engage. And dropout is much higher in mental health across the board uh, rather than engagement. So thinking about youth engagement, the first engagement is seen as very significant and important for a young person. So that might be a primary care professional and it may be an A&E professional. So how you engage young people would be the best way forward. And if that is with a person who understands them, is able to listen to them, and is able to provide them with a comprehensive form of how they can think about managing their mental health, either whilst they wait for help or indeed instead of help, would be very helpful. And there may well be some scope for some digital support in the form of mental health apps at this time. Second question. GP services have been extremely stretched as a consequence of the pandemic, for example, with the whole immunisation programme. We have had no time to do anything other than firefight. What can I do to keep informed? So all I'd say is staying informed doesn't mean having to read all published information. I would try and stick to some trusted resources. The Royal College of GPs have got a MindEd portal on their toolkit, which is very useful. Um, and you may also be interested in looking at the STEM4 website for healthcare professionals, which has got a number of newly published information, some statistics, including the data of our survey, but also some tips for health professionals, as well as things that you can share with the young people that you see and with their families. We've also got some translated resources, which may also be of interest to your practice. I hope you found today's episode helpful. If you did, then please do leave us a great review wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information, you can find a wealth of resources on our website at stem4.org.uk. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn at at stem4.org. Links to our website and our four free apps designed specifically for young people can be found in the podcast description. I hope you'll join me for our next episode where I'll be talking about eating disorders, specifically some information about eating disorders and also early diagnosis. Until next time, keep well. Goodbye.